Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem, and welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where... We here we've been heel-shutting Jamaican queens, talk about LGBT politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean. Life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. Oh. Wow. Blade. 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 How about doing them? I don't mean. When that's when the first record, I'm going to say, hi, I'm Cornel. I'm going to say, just Chris Rickard. So right now I'm trying to use my record and cut off Cornel's name. And I was trying to put on some lip gloss, some chapstick, so I'm going to not fear lick my lips throughout the whole episode and just jump. Yeah. But me know, but still, like, I'm never talking about sound dry yet. You lick them no sound dry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talking about sound dry. Get all that sound. I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. When me subconscious about them, just feel like somebody else ever recognizes it or hear it. I said, oh, Karim buy sound off this week. It might be dry or something. <laughs> <laughs> But as in the cat here, the place I wash away. Um, but I was able to go to the gym earlier today. I requested legs and legs I got and tried it was a mess. And of course, me as a big kid is smarty, right? After the gym, we go buy one salmon burger. Wanna pray for me as I pray for myself. <laughs> but salmon burger did nice. It and the Pepsi and the tree cooking them. But <laughs> we keep it pushing all the phone a week ago. It was long, man. I felt like I was being pulled in like 10,000 different directions all at once. And I am still being pulled in directions. And it's funny because I put on my to-do list that today I should rest. And I feel like today I'm doing so much more work. Like I'm, I was literally on a, um, on a phone call, on a Zoom call before this, ran downstairs, came back up. I was cooking dinner before, and then now I have to record fish tea, but then after this, I have to go help this lady with some immigration-related papers, and girl, my time. But all in a day's work, I guess. Are we a cook, yeah? I mean, but it just like crave some curry chicken. Somebody just, I'm gonna go and cook it myself. So it could have the right amount of pepper, the right amount of curry and everything, the right amount of flavor. So I'm going to cook some curry chicken with some chili white rice, white rice. I'm going to make some um, potato salad. And my grandmother did burn up some ginger juice with pineapple and cucumber. So I just can't wait for the open and done talk. So I can't run and go down stage. Can I just, I just, I just. Food? Eh? Send food? <laughs> if only. A long time I want to say, you look like you can cook, girl. You look like I anger myself. Not gonna lie. I took my one arm, but I anger myself. You're muted, Fred. <laughs> I miss my time. Oh. oh, this is my time. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Andre Cooper, and I look forward to this discussion. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. <laughs> I know your time, girl. <laughs> No, go for it. Go for it. Let's get into it. I'm not kidding. It's another podcast. I'm just proof. Right. I ain't looking weird to be here. How was your week? I just want to do this. Oh, I really don't have that much to 
to say it really. It's just what work stuff and more work stuff. I don't know, same old, same old. Although, I mean, there was a kind of nice moment uh, after one of the classes. Um, I guess one of the students sensed that I was feeling a bit distressed. And at the end of class, she uh, said that I was doing, that I'm doing well. And that, you know, don't, don't overthink it. So that was a nice gesture. But I mean, otherwise, there's nothing really eventful to share. Did you at least feel better afterwards? Uh, I guess so. I mean, I wanted to cry afterwards, and no one has time for that, but... What? Girl, right now, I wish my tears ended near, because I just feel like I need one good, like... And it now come. I think I have to call it some, some dry eye or some shit. Um, well, you know, long versus large is just the light just flash. Any old this chip out? I'm oh, sorry. But sorry, because as you said, the place I wash away, and I don't know where I'm going. You're doing great, sweetie. Okay, I just want to make it to the computer stay and as the storm is not it. But with that being said, let's shift gears. So today we're having a conversation about queer persons and student leadership because I feel like I mean I guess in different ways, you know. With either, I think there's a, there's a thing where a lot of queer people end up in student leadership because we end up often we're just enough. And as, I mean, for some of us, I think we've spoken about this in previous episodes that we use excellence to kind of balance out and distract from our queerness and to kind of help us to navigate certain spaces because when we have the power, people are less likely to mess with us. But I often feel like there are a lot of queer people that take up leadership spaces. Um, however, very few of them take up leadership spaces while being openly queer. And so we have with us Miss Ma'am, Mr. Andre Cooper, <laughs> um, who recently joined the team at JFAG. But before that, um, ran for the position of public relations officer on the UE Mona Guild um, and ran as an openly gay candidate and won and did his tenure as a way call himself a student gladiator. Um, about the new Mona. So, Andre, now is your time. <laughs> Hi, Glenn and guys, team, the fish tea. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, of course, Glenn, for that scintillating introduction. It was very welcoming and very informative, I believe. Yes, so I look forward to this discussion. And once again, thank you so much for having me. Well, let me kick it off. Um, why? Why did you do it? Um, why? Why did? Why did you? Because I mean, in my time when I was at, at UWE, I never saw that happen. I heard of one person before, known as an open as an open lesbian. Why did you think this was even a possibility? Honestly, when I um, I remember vividly how I even thought about applying to become a guild member. I was, I was living on campus at the time at Irving. I was inside my room and I was scroll, randomly, casually scrolling through social media. I saw the flyers saying that nominations are now open. So I said to myself, because it's something that I've always thought about and it's something I always wanted to pursue, um, especially in high school, I wanted to join the student council. But that, at, that, at that time, I was, because I was living in, um, in a very volatile space, so I never wanted to take the risk. 
So I said, okay, perhaps this is an opportunity that I could actually explore, especially in my tertiary um, studies. Um, so I told myself, I'm going to take, take it up and risk it and see what happens. So I applied. I knew the risks. And they, even, they, they were even present throughout the entire uh, process. There are people saying that I can't be a guild member because I'm a known gay man and they don't want any gay person on their um, student council. They told me I'd never get it and no matter how I try, I'll never get there. I remember those very same words. They were the even ones that um, empowered me even more to go forth and um, carried out this responsibility. So that's how I really, that's how I, and it was really of a thing of um, personal or self-activism for me because I, there has been like so much. I, I went through a lot as a young open queer person. I was very visible in my younger days. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had no support system then. So it was just me alone navigating this big world around me. And there were so many, there are so many things I went through like threats. Um, I was so young at that time. I remember in free form. I think this was one of my most visible years. Um, I was embarrassed. It was a very embarrassing situation. This was 2015. I was coming home from school, um, I and I recognized that there were a lot of boys down by the hill because this was a country school. I went to Moran Bay High, so I was coming home. Um, so this group of boys, it was an unusual um, situation because there's never usually that amount of boys there. At that specific time, I think it was around like 5, 6.30. Usually this space would have been cleared. So I found it strange. I was um, approaching them. Someone came out to me, attacked me. So yeah, I was beaten then. And um, they recorded the entire um, episode and it was broadcasted on social media. At this time, I wasn't on social media, so I wasn't aware of what was happening. Um, so that... And it was very, it was a very traumatic experience because this is my first time experiencing this kind of encounter with anyone because of my sexuality. So it was very unusual for me. So that um, further pushed me to even want to become a voice for people to help the community by leading. And I, I, I saw this opportunity at the Guild as an um, excellent opportunity to further amplify this mission or quest that I, that I um, started. I have a follow-up question. Um, sure. Yeah, a lot of times when traumatic things happen to people, um, um, people reasonably decide to pull back. Some people reasonably decide to modify their behavior just to survive. Why do you think that instead of Why do you think instead of pulling back, you went ahead and decided that, oh, I'm going to, once I have the space to speak up and use my voice to make a difference? I think it was really because of the person I am. I consider myself to be resilient, I'm determined, and I was fueled by all these circumstances, all these um, events that I encountered, I was fueled by them and I wanted to make a difference because they, throughout my life I was always told, um, whenever I reach nowhere, my need for step my time, um, 
but to know because I'm always seeking out new opportunities. I'm always looking for different ways that I can um, channel my experiences to help others and also to um, learn from them. So I um, didn't step back because I was experiencing all of this. So it would have resulted in a traumatic um, or perhaps emotional breakdown for me. But I felt it was necessary to push regardless. And that, was, that has always worked for me in every situation to be honest. So, um, so you said that you um, were very visible even from your younger days. And so I'm wondering, um, perhaps how were you read even before you made this declaration on the UA campus? Like, would it, I guess I'm wondering, would there have been the same kind of responses even if you didn't um, make it apparent that you were, you know, a gay person? Um, or is it that the the open declaration is seen as an act of defiance so much so that people responded more uh, in a more hostile manner than they would have otherwise? Hello? Hello? Cornell, I never heard the entire question. Oh, <laughs> oh sure. No, I, I guess, so you were saying earlier that you... Um, you were visible even in your youth, and so I'm wondering, would it have made a difference um, otherwise if you did or did not say that um, you were gay, or is it that because you made that declaration, people responded in a more hostile manner than they would otherwise? Oh, I don't know if that question making sense. Oh yeah, I get what you're saying. You were saying something, Len? Before you answer the question, I was wondering, did you ever make that declaration? Yeah, I was just about to say it was never a declaration. <laughs> I was just okay. about to put that out. Yeah, I think it was something that was natural. I, was, I wasn't even observing what I was doing at the time. Because I was saying, uh, during that time, I was very young. I had no support. So I was just navigating the space on my own, doing what I think was right for me and also for um, others. So I was just doing that to help myself. Because I, think I saw that as an opportunity for, to help myself grow as a person. And that has, that has really helped me know. I've recognized what my passion is. I recognize how I can use that passion to also help the community. And um, that's what I'm currently doing now. I use that drive through communications to help people recognize that, recognize that as a community, we should come together and we should seek solutions to help each other. Okay. I want to, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if you could say more about that part, because you said you didn't, you, it's not something that was stated, right? But then how did you eventually move or get people to see you on that? I don't know if it's something that you did or like how, what was instrumental in helping you, um, in helping people see more than just, I guess, your sexuality then, right? Or your sexual orientation. So it wasn't a distraction from the cause that you are running or the, that you are running for, the platform that you are running on or eventually to secure the votes that you needed to win. Kareem? Uh-huh. Could you repeat the question for me, please? Oh, I was, say, I was saying that be, um, what do you believe was instrumental in helping individuals see beyond their sexual orientation mm -hmm. or sexuality in order for you to have become success, successful in your campaign? 
Okay. Oh, oh, I get the question. Okay, thanks for that question. So I think it was really um, my fun and entertaining personality that I have, and also my um, natural um, passion to help people. People saw that within me, and people were compelled. I was able to even um, develop a different strings of relationship with people from different sectors as a result of that. I was very engaging. I know how to navigate spaces. I'm always myself. I'm always authentic. People look forward to authenticity in the, um, in, um, when they're looking in persons. So I was always authentic in my space. And I think that also helped me um, in my campaign when I was running for a PR role because I remember um, when I was doing my campus walks, engaging people, there were always people encouraging me. They always um, bring up back past memories of us. They always say I was fun, I was engaging. And most times they didn't even think about my sexuality. They were just thinking about me as a person within that moment in time. So I think those um, traits have um, helped me very well and has um, put me where I'm at now in my life, yeah. Yeah, I can't probably to share that it's a it's a legitimate seat. So that's no, no. <laughs> oh everybody didn't know you was a batty man. Oh wow. All the girls knew I was gay. <laughs> I mean I was always effeminate. I was very visible. Like I liked girls' doves. Um in high school. I the only friends I really had were girls. I was the only boy in the lot. And you, you know what they always say. When you're the only boy with a group of girls, it's likely you're the, only, you're the gay boy. Um, so I was one of those boys in high school. It was always me and the girls. I was always, I would wear my bag and, as a handbag. I like put, put this um, straps on my hand, walk around with it like that. So I was very visible. And I remember, um, I think this was like 2013, 2012, I remember my garden counselor at that time, Mrs. Williams, Williams, mm -hmm, she started this project where she helped vulnerable girls, persons who couldn't fund their education, um, education like when it was coming closer to like um, CXC. So she um, raised these funds through, it was a plays. So she did play, she was a playwright, she was very excellent. And the first year it was launched, I was like, wow, because I've always wanted to act and because I had this fun personality that was saying, why not do something with it? Why not try out um, this new um, opportunity? So I told myself next year, definitely I'm going to audition and try it. So next year, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to the other year, I somewhat um, made up my mind and I said, okay, I'm just going to do this. And I went and I auditioned and they loved it. Um, so I started to, and I took up a... Um, so the character I got was an effeminate character. I was called Dasa in the series of plays. It was absolutely fun. I had so many fun <laughs> doing that character because it, that it allowed me to tap into myself as a person. I knew what I wanted and that fostered everything. Like I knew I was gay then. I was so, it was because it was a space, like I think it was like 500 people came up because it was open to the public. And I felt so... I felt really good within that moment, knowing that I'm able to take on this character that um, conflicts with my personality, my sexuality, and to display all that on that um, platform. Um, it was, it was a very good. Um, that was a very good memory. But yeah, so to say that, um, that's how people really found out I was different. I was a gay man. So yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not a fellow now. Well, I did that campaign, so it upon campus, not everybody knows the yeah, so um, in terms of who you were running against or just overall, were, was homophobia used against you in the campaign? Oh, yes. It was used at the very inception um, when it was announced that I was even a candidate. I, there was three of us in the race. No, yes, three of us. A chancellor guy, uh, I will not disclose his name, but he knows himself. And the girls, whenever they listen to this, they'll figure him out. But yes, he was also in the race. Um, there was this first year lost girl. She was very passionate about it. And I admired that. The three of us um, were in the race. So I was like, okay, this is cute. Let's see how this works. So especially with a chance, like I was like, okay, this is what I anticipated. So let me see what happens now. So um, like a week after the um, announcement, because I was on campus living at this time, and you know how they were close in proximity, Chancellor Anna Mervyn is. So when I was in my room, they came over, they left um, his flat. Well, he apparently, I don't know how he found my room, how he knew which block I lived on, but he was on my block. Then he came to my room. I remember they were outside. They then knocked my door and carry on. Um, just to leave a flyer, um, they did all this and then started Batman, blah, 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 and I carry on. I was like, okay, this is cute. And I was there. Not cute. Um, <laughs> hmm? No, I was just laughing because you said, okay, this is cute. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I didn't expect them to go that far, especially to come within my personal space. I mean, you are free to campaign, but you can leave your flies, of course, because it's campaigning, but to knock my door, to say all this for, um, to, to, to just, um, to scare me away from not running. So I found that very interesting. Well, perhaps cute wasn't the right terminology at that time, but yeah. Did you have any fear as you were like, as these, I don't know if it, it escalated to threats or anything, like threats against your life or your livelihood, but did you mm -hmm. have any like fears within yourself um, while you were running? Just like, you know, for a one, even if it wasn't like this lingering sense, but just for a minute, did you feel, have any doubt? Did you feel like maybe this is not the time? Yeah, I had doubts. I had doubts. I doubted myself at one point when I actually started doing I was like, wow, Andrew, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you putting yourself through this? Because around campus, everywhere you go, they, they point me out and say, this is the gay man that's running for PRO. So they, I realized they are politi um, policy. Um, they use, they, they, um, use the my sexuality as a political tool now. So I was like, oh, wow. So, mm. I mean, I wasn't really fearful that because they were fine, they were, it wasn't really more so fear of the fact that um, they knew I was an homosexual or anything of that sort. I mean, I'm absolutely fine with that. If you want to know, that's, that's um, your knowledge. But the fact that there's, that it was being spread around campus like that, I was, then I became, started to become more um, fearful. So I don't know what people are capable of. Um, I, raised, I was raised in the country, so things were different for me. Um, so I was very fearful of the, of the um, running a few times. So walk us through now, you win the election. Walk us through how you felt. And then how did you use your platform as PRO to kind of say, I'm going to win the 
Dr. Mega to know. How did you do that? <laughs> um, I remember when I was elected the night, um, we were in um, that, what do I call over this again? It was in front burst, that big open space, it was there. And I was there, um, they announced it. And the men, the chancellor, man, them, and some other group of guys, they were standing in one corner. They were, I can realize they, was, they were anxious. They really wanted to find out if, you, if I would have lost. So um, I was there when I recognized that I won. They were still, they were shouting their homophobic sirs. They were carry on. They were not the most. I wasn't even paying them. Mind. I was like, girl, bye. I already won. So it, it was pointless. So hold how I use my platform to, uh, okay, so sure. Oh, should I get dry? <laughs> but um, I remember, uh, I remember there were so many moments throughout my um, tenure at that time. Persons from the community, they just randomly popped up to me saying that they were so happy that I was elected because it gave them hope. They said they never really saw any, this is like the first they ever seen an openly gay man run for the post. It was unprecedented for them. They, they found it, they were very happy. The community was very happy. And I told myself I would work for the visibility of the community and also our inclusivity. Um, I remember at events specifically, they, uh, would come out in their groups. They felt safe. I remember through my personal and social activism, I was just minding my own business, really. Um, and, um, and, 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 and this is my style. I, and I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was always effeminate. So how I dressed to these events was also um, encouraging for the community. I would wear regular short shirts, look at tight clothes. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be myself. I didn't care about the post at that time because I was saying that this is just the post. It's how you navigate it, which makes you a leader. So I was like, you know, I don't care what other you see me as the PR. I'm here as a um, openly queer man. I'm here to represent myself and my community. And that for me was also a very important moment for me. When I'm in those spaces, I'm able to, to um, blend with my community. I wasn't, I was so visible in those spaces. I was very proud. Some, some members of my team, they took offense to it. I remember they reported me several times to the president, said I can't be doing those kind of things on the gale. I don't know what they're accounting because I'm only dressing. I'm only reinforcing my sexuality. So we, I had a little tussle. Well, not tussle, but we, I had differences with a few of my guild members as a result of that. They weren't so... Um, welcoming of how I would have navigated this the, the portfolio, but I didn't care. I was never that girl. I never care. <laughs> but yeah. So there were several moments and there were projects that I would have undertaken to assist the community. I would have um, in, um, reached out to Glenn during my time because what I wanted to do, I wanted, I submitted a proposal actually to the sitting council at that time, all three, all, all of the campuses, so they call it the intergale campus meeting. So the guilds come together, they meet, they deliberate, they discuss policies, what, what they can implement across all the campuses. So I made the recommendation to the community, um, the, the council at that time, that we should um, expand in core, 
curriculum courses, human rights, add um, human rights elements to these um, courses to help reinforce why it is important, why queer visibility is important, differences, different groups. So I saw that as a necessary thing to do um, during my time. And there were other things that I did also outside of those um, projects I mentioned. So I was, I was just wondering, so you've spoken a little bit about some of the moments of conflict that you had to deal with or that you faced with um, mm -hmm. some of the people that you were working with. Were there any moments where you were surprised by the kinds of, I don't know, support or openness, like people responding better to you being in that space when you didn't necessarily expect that going in? Yeah, I remember I was surprised. I was um I surprised I was surprised, but especially with my executive, the entire executive to be honest. Um, which had a few males who I thought were very homophobic, which they weren't homophobic at all. They were very comforting. They never used any slurs at me. They were always there for me. They were one of the the executive was my strongest support system I had on the council. They were they were there with me throughout the entire process. They were there, they, they walked me through, they never left me. And I was able to take away um, meaningful and continuous relationships, even after the council came to an end the other day. Um, so yeah, I was able to develop positive and meaningful relationships from the um, experience as well. Do you think that, because we know that your, um, the, the guild president was a woman at the time, do you think it would have made a difference if, if it was a man instead? Um, it depends on who, who that male would have been, because at that time I believe it was three male running for the post. I'm not going to call their names, but if, if uh, I believe if... if um, that individual, well, one of the three individuals would have won that seat. I know that he would have been, how do I put this? He wouldn't, he wouldn't be a Christina Williams, but he would um, express a similar um, attitudes towards L LBGT persons. He, he is, um, he's a very friendly person, but the other two, I, I cannot say I don't know how they'd react. I don't know how um, how they'd respond to LBGT um, concerns or visibility, but I cannot speak for only one person. So yeah. I'm wondering if any like sorry <laughs> if any <laughs> administration <laughs> or and it was how how known was kind of like the treatment that you were receiving um how widely known was that in terms of trying to get a sense of whether professors and other administ like university administrators got involved or stepped up on your behalf or anything of that sort like was there apart from i guess your executive board that really sounds like they were really supportive and stood by you mm -hmm. like were there any other sources of support yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i had a very very, very, we, and I still have a good relationship with my SSDM, uh, Mrs. Um, well, Miss Simone Williams. Um, she, 
she has been very engaging at the very, very moment we met. I remember I actually wanted, to, I was applying to actually go to over by, um, what is it again? The Wolf, what do you call the Wolf place again? What do you call the hall? I don't remember that hall, but that hall, that, that, that was the hall I originally wanted to go to. But he said, well, at the time, they were over capacity. So I was like, wow. So I went, I just ran over to um, Irving. I had no intentions of really applying for Irving. And because of the conversations we had, we laughed on our first day. It was such, it, I, I enjoyed that conversation with her. It was so encouraging. And when, I, when she gave, actually gave me a room, a space on the um, hall, we got even closer. She was there with me throughout. She knew I was gay. <laughs> she just knew from the very beginning when I actually stepped into her office and she, she admired me. Um, so we had a very good relationship. I remember I had a few sad moments in the hall and I could call her and she'd come to my room. We'd be talking there for hours. She'd ensure that I'm fine. She'd give me a random drop-in calls. She was there. She was there throughout um, campaigning. <laughs> it was so. She, she was a very fun person as well. She was there helping me to campaign. Um, she was yeah. We had, so she would have been the strongest admin support I had on campus during that time, and still is. It always seems to me that the gays end up having good relationships with people in admin, you know. But more than <laughs> had something to say. I was going to say, so Miss Ma'am, during your time as PRO, was there a Mr. Ma'am that was, you know, supporting you? <laughs> no, there was no Mr. Ma'am. No. <laughs> no. So in terms of like other forms of support, so, you know, you have a guild, you know, a direct mm -hmm. uh, person in, in administration. What about your friends? You know, how did they yeah. About you learning, um, where they sometimes when queer people step out in a particular way, their queer friends become very cagey because they're like, "Well, if you yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're finished, Glenn." So what was that like? Oh yes, so my friends were there with me throughout the entire process. Uh, my cousins, because my cousins knew about my sexuality, so they worked with me, rooting, and said, yeah, girl, run out, yeah. <laughs> That's how they talked to me, and it was very empowering. I said, okay, you know what, I have the support system. Let me do this, and this is something that I've always wanted to do, so why not? So I had them with me along the way. They would help me campaign. I remember my friend, she come up as UA. She doesn't go to school anymore. Um, to put it out there she doesn't go to school so she she came to campus one day to spend the entire day with me she come um she blended in tell everybody she's a student she was helping me to canvas votes i'll never forget that day um and other moments they came um to help me help support me and even when i was elected they'd attend events they'd come to the events to support me to see how i was doing to see how people responded of course they wanted to see if there were any changes because they asked me how do because i remember there was a friend she always asked me how do um the others lbgt members feel about you being so openly like you're like you um like you are their mentor or something or somebody they admire how do they respond to this um how do they find it and 
how are they supporting you? I remember that friend who continuously asked those questions. So I had friends who were there through, with me throughout the process. They're even, they even still ask me now if I don't miss guildies. They even bring up back screenshots from the guild page um, and say, look at y'all. Remember you the last year? Come, I come, they're basically comparing. <laughs> I get that a lot, <laughs> people comparing. But yeah, but I had a very strong support system. So do you think, so I guess my next question is um, for any other queer person who wants to run, not just for the guild, but for any other, you know, sensitive mm. space, what do you think based on your experience are like the, like the top three things that made a difference for you? That made, you know, that overall good experience based on what you're describing. Yeah. So if there's any queer person out there who wants to run, who wants to be in spaces, who wants to be a face, who wants to be a voice, who wants to tell a story, because throughout my entire time, I was really telling a story. I was showing persons that they are visible queer people existing among us who are capable of doing far much more. Um, so I tell them to do it for a reason, do it for a passion, do it for a genuine reason, not genuine cause. Why are you doing this? Um, Um, hello? Hello? We're hearing you. Oh, I thought it freeze. Could you repeat the question one more time? So I guess what are the top three things you'd have to, you tell somebody seeking representation? I already said do it for a cause and a reason. Yes. So top two. So the other two. I'll also tell them to look within themselves, ask themselves, this is something that they really want to do. Are you open with this kind of visibility, this kind of um, traction that you'll pull to yourself? Are you willing to do this? Um, so that is something that you should also contemplate because that's a very critical question to whether or not you move forward with this quest. Um, third, I'll tell that person to make fun of it, make the best moments of it. Uh, make friendships, make networks, expand your wings, um, show people that you're capable of tapping in other spaces. You're not just limited to one space. So I think all those three combined, you should be perfectly fine whether or not you decide to pursue this new path. Okay. My one next question, but my go not shot. Lol. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm also wondering, do you, okay, well, I think Lenore did say that you're now a part of the, um, the team, but I, yeah. I guess I was wondering, did you have any, or do you still have any uh, interest in like returning to that kind of work or for like, I don't know, giving back, uh, providing a, a, I don't know, public civic service in any kind of way in mm -hmm. future, near or otherwise? Mm-hmm. Well, I have several plans for the future, really, for the community. I, I am um, working, I'm using these different portfolios to develop a relationship with the public because I think that's very crucial to the work that I'm doing. Well, the work that I want to do in the near future um, so I work a lot with um, vulnerable groups, persons living with HIV and also the LGBT community. I work very closely with them now um, within communications because I do a lot of, well, I do development communications. Um, 
So yeah, so I intended to give back to the community and um, within the next couple of years, I see Jamaica moving away, certain barriers towards the community. I see a lot more opportunities for us. I believe that with the work that we're doing now, uh, we are able to achieve these goals and amplify our presence, not only locally, but also regionally. And to tell a story that we're capable of doing far much more than what people perceive of us. So then, going to my question, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm preparing for my political aspirations. I'm preparing myself. <laughs> yes, I want to be the first openly gay minister. Wow. That would be a, that's so historic. I mean, I think they're not allowed to free stuff, but let's see who to tell. <laughs> which party did I go on, Pam? I will not disclose that right here. <laughs> 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 I said, you have set me up in that clinic. I must stop this. What's on, but that's all, though. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you that me, because I'm not saying, I could have done it. I mean, somebody has to, we have to make um, different, we have to make choices. So in terms of, I guess, your family, because I guess, you know, those of us that are visibly in Jamaica, we, you know, we have to contend with so many things. And I'm wondering, you, you do say you have like your cousin's support, but what about your parents? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that like? I mean, I have a good relationship with my parents. My father is currently overseas. He resides in Canada. He left two and a half years ago. So it's just my mother and my other siblings. Um, at first, when they found out, when they um, finally concluded that I was actually uh, a gay man, they, it was a bit rocky with them um, until they recognized that I'm not changing because I was very persistent um, with my sexuality. They, it, it was like they moved, they, those barriers that, they, that was there blocking that love, that um, relationship we had before. So that all of that was removed, removed. We never really talked about me as a gay person. We've never had those conversations as a family. Though. I think they never wanted to have those, have those kind of conversations. My mother never really asked me anything about it. She just wanted to know that I was fine, that I'm okay. Um, so we had a very good relationship moving forward after everything was disclosed. But we've never really had conversations about my sexuality. That would be more like my cousins. Should my cousins always ask me about my life? Them always want to get down at the meets. Everything them want to know. Them want to know you're doing a bedroom and I carry another to the bedroom, bullies them and all sorts of things. But you know, that's a family, especially a cousin. Them always want to know the teeth of the bone. But yeah, to answer your question, I had a very good relationship with my family. Okay, um, I think that those are all the questions for me. Um, do you guys have any other questions? Mm, well, I don't. Um, I'm trying to make sure though. I mean, I guess just to revisit my question about the administrative part, not to mm-hmm. that, but if you could, apart from um, Miss Simone, what's her name? You said 
Yes, Miss Simone. That you had. Simone Williams. Mm-hmm. From your experience, and I'm always curious about like what administrators could do. Like, what could they do to have created, to have made that process much more? Um, in, if what, they could do what? I never heard that. What could administrators do? What could they have done, or what could they mm-hmm. do going forward to make that process much more? attainable or those kind of opportunities much more attainable for queer identified individuals like yourself so for the next um andre that's coming up or who would love mm-hmm. to like what should administrators do like we've spoken about what should the lgbtq individual do but what should mm-hmm. and those other individuals do to foster that kind of um yeah so i think the first thing that they should actually do is start to have more conversations it's important to have more conversations around this kind of situation and to understand the challenges, the issues, and from there they can implement different projects geared toward these different challenges. And I believe this will also help the community to grow, people to step forward, um, to take up different leadership roles, um, to do other different civil civic responsibilities. I think it's very important that they have discussions first so they can um, sift through and find the different challenges that people are facing because they're on campus there are so many challenges yeah people are coming to school without lunch money etc um so if they have start to have more conversations at the administrative level i think the years to come even might to tell even next year you might have a next me on the guild you'd have even more of me on the guild doing what i did or even more of um, so I think it all boils down to having more conversations. And are you prepared to mentor other people coming up so that, you know, more of that can happen? I'm always um, looking for persons that I can also help in terms of uh, we can learn from each other. I share my skills, uh, my different experiences and vice versa. And I learn from you as well to help me. Um, so I'm welcome, welcome, welcoming to have um, men to mentor people, different um, upcoming youth, to help them navigate spaces where they can um, tap into their full potential. So yeah, man, um, share with one and two look a girl, because somebody have to help the girls them. <laughs> that is true. The girls right. need help. So with that said, if nobody else has anything to say, I'm looking. <laughs> hey. Not me. No. I'm good. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for showing up, um, Andre, and sharing your experiences with us. You know, leaving little tidbits here and there. My God, I'm the politicians to be like carry on with but my. And thank you to all the listeners for staying tuned. Uh, remember to give us your feedback um, at our different social media platforms. That's at HD Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Or you can um, email us at podcast at gmail.com. When, when you listen to us on whichever platform you're listening, listening to us on, you know, rate us, you know, re- give us a review, let us know what's working, what's not working, and what you want to hear us discuss. We're very open to suggestions. But Andre did suggest this from us, he's the one. And he eventually, which money can't go, 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 can't go
right? So, um, thank you so much. And in all things, remember to stay sophisticated. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. Have a good Thanks for joining. All right, bye-bye.